Um, yeah, so we're in this series, uh, The Orchard, uh, bearing fruit in every season. We want to be bearing fruit whatever the circumstances, whatever we're going through in our lives, whatever things are happening to us uh, or, or going on in our world, we want to still be fruitful, right? And, and that's what this series is about. And it, it actually came from a, I don't know, it's a dream or a vision that uh, my brother Dom had. Dom, who is the kind of um, uh, senior pastor of Sunny Hill, he had this vision of a uh, kind of walking through a desert land, a wasteland. And in the distance, you suddenly see this, this oasis, the, the, all these trees with lots of fruit on them. And he thought, well, this is a picture of what the church should be. Whereas the wasteland, the desert, is kind of our society. But... In the middle of the wasteland, there should be these churches where there is an orchard, you know, an orchard of, of fruit-bearing trees. And we've decided uh, that, that that's what we would call this series. And we've been working our way through um, the Galatians 5, Fruit of the Spirit. Because as Christians, as, as Jesus followers, we should be different. We should look different. We should sound different. We should think different. We should have different kinds of, of habits. And, and Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, he calls this different fruit. He said there's two ways to approach your life. You can approach life uh, thinking about yourself. You can walk the way of the self, the way of your own desires. And that way there is fruit from that, but it's not particularly good fruit. He said, or you can walk with the Spirit and in that way, you will, you will uh, kind of reap the fruit of the Spirit. You will bear the fruit of the Spirit. And he lists them out. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Now, over the last uh, three weeks, we've been looking at love and joy. Alini brought a great message on joy, didn't she, a couple of weeks ago. And last week, uh, Jeff, I don't like calling him Jeff, my dad, he spoke about uh, having peace. And today, we're moving on to the fourth of the fruit, which is uh, patience. Uh, because we can all do with a bit more patience, I think. Right? We all need a little bit more patience. I wonder, would you call yourself a patient person? On a scale, let's, let's, do, let's do a measure. On a scale of 1 to 10, all right, let's say 1 is like you lose it at every opportunity. You've got no patience. And then 10, like your Mother Teresa, you're really patient. Uh, who would put themselves in the 5 to 10 category, really patient? Okay, a few of you. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could be on. Now be honest with me. Uh, you may not be a 10, but maybe you're a 6 or a 7. Uh, who would put themselves in the 1 to 5, kind of that half of the room? All right, there's a few of you as well. That's good, kind of about half and half. This is brilliant. Um, now, my dad, you all know my dad, Jeff. He comes here, and he's not here today. They're, my sister's getting ordained today as a, as a Church of England minister. Yeah, um, and, and so my, all my family's over there with her. I probably should be there, but there we go. Well done, Caroline. If you ever watch this, well done. We're proud of you. Um, uh, my dad is a really patient guy. He's probably one of the most patient guys I know. He rarely, he rarely lost his temper. And when he did, it was always me. I was always the reason. Okay, because we've all got a reason, right? Always think, no, I am a patient person until... This person comes, until this person did that, uh, like his excuse. But my dad, uh, yeah, he was a patient guy. But there's a couple of moments where he lost his patience, where I did something. There was once we were on holiday, I remember. And uh, we were staying in our tents on a field. And the car was parked a little bit away from the tent. And for some reason, I found myself in the car by myself. Okay, and I, and I made my way to the front seat because that's where all the exciting things happen, on the driver's seat, right? It's where all the gadgets and the buttons are. And, and I was looking down at the handbrake and I thought, what would happen 
if I, if I see, I see my dad do it, I was like five or six years old, I was like, if I see my dad, he just pulls that up and then he lets go of it. And guess what? When you take the handbrake off, you're driving. It's like driving. Unfortunately, we were parked on a hill. And so down I went, down this hill, but there was, a, there was a nice soft hedge at the bottom that I ended up in. And my dad, he found the car and me in the car, kind of looking up at him, uh, and he wasn't patient in that moment. <laughs> he, needed, he needed the fruit of the Spirit right then. Okay, and I felt the brunt of his impatience. And there was another moment where the car was parked on the driveway. I know it's all about the car. And I was in the car again by myself. Maybe I spent a lot of time in the car. I don't know. <laughs> Stay there. Don't do anything. Um, and again, I made myself to the front where all the exciting things happened. And I, and I found the, the cigarette lighter. Remember the cigarette lighter? And if you pushed it in, it would pop out again. I push it in, and it, it was so exciting. As a, as a five or six-year-old, you push it in, and out it pops. And then I took it out, and it was glowing red. It was glowing, and it was kind of hot. And what would happen if I if I pressed this against the plastic steering wheel? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Oh, look at that! All the way around the steering wheel, it kind of makes a pattern on my dad's new car. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. So I'll I'll just put that back. Maybe he won't notice if I climb in the back. He noticed. Again, he needed more Holy Spirit in that moment. And I felt the brunt of his impatience. Um, but yeah, he was a patient guy. But there's always something that makes us lose our patience. I'm quite a patient guy. I think, would you say I'm a patient guy? I'm quite a patient guy. I think I'm, I'm in that top half of the, of, the, of the scale. But in our home, there's something. Not my children, no, it's fine. Although, yeah. Our uh, cat... Not my cat, Fru's cat. It's not my cat. When we decided to have a cat, I said, this is not my cat. I don't like cat. This is your cat. Okay? The cat. Who's the one that the cat wants to date? Daisy, yeah. Daisy. I won't even call it the cat. Um, who's the one who Daisy wants to sit on? Me. Oh, no, I like the cat. Uh, who's the one who uh, Daisy wants to lie on when I'm sleeping in bed? It's me. The other morning, I was feeling all spiritual. I came downstairs with my Bible, and it was early. It was like 5.30 in the morning. I thought, I'm just going to have a great, quiet time before the kids get up. And I was about to walk in the lounge, and there, on the threshold of the lounge, was a pile of cat vomit. Oh, great. And next to the cat vomit was a decapitated mouse. I thought, oh, okay. So now I've got to clean up the vomit and the mouse from your cat. Uh, and I was supposed to be all spiritual this morning. So now I'm just wiping up 20 minutes it took me to clean and clean the carpet. And now, oh God, now I'll have my quiet time with you. Now I've cleaned that up. I lost my patience. I lose my patience. I know you can't believe it, but I sometimes lose my patience too. It's funny, in some translations of the Bible, it doesn't use the word patience. It uses the word forbearance. And in other translations, it uses the word long-suffering, which I really like. Long. If, you, if you walk with the Spirit, you'll be long-suffering. You'll be able to experience long-suffering. Like, that's, that's great, isn't it? You'll be able to suffer for a long time. And maybe there's things in your life where you have suffered for a long time. In my own life... You probably know I have a bit of a, uh, a bit of deafness, a bit of deafness, a lot of deafness. I'm really deaf, okay? I wear hearing aids, which kind of mitigates it, but I am quite deaf. And this all started when I was about 18, and I realized I was 
kind of struggling to hear kind of lecturers at uni and turning the telly up a bit loud. So I went and got it checked out and they said, yeah, 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 your, your hearing's deteriorating and um, we think it's probably because of some medication you had as a baby, the thing that Fru was referring to, that we now know that actually one of the side effects is this, that it causes hearing loss later on in life. And I was like, oh, okay, well, so we, we can give you hearing aids. And we can do a few more tests. So over the years, I've had loads of tests. I've actually had surgery. They've put in titanium stirrup in my ears to try and solve it. It hasn't solved it. And, and I've been prayed for by lots of people, by my family. There was a time when JJ was praying for me all the time that I would hear properly. My family has prayed. My church has prayed. My pastors have prayed. I've been to uh, kind of healing ministers who pray. I've been to people who are specializing hearing, healing and they've prayed for me. I even went once across the world to California to a healing conference, fully expecting to get healed. And it never happened. And this is kind of my, my long suffering. This is my pit that I've been in for nearly 30 years now. But this is not a woe is me story because I think probably most of us have got our own pit. We've got our own story of, of suffering for a long time, of needing patience and I don't know what yours is maybe it's to do with your finances maybe you've been praying for a long time for a breakthrough in your finances but still you find every month it's just enough or you're living hand to mouth maybe you've been praying for a relationship that you say God please fix this and, and still it's not quite where you want it to be maybe you've been praying for, for salvation for a for a family member or a friend, you have, God, please just touch them. Let them come and find you. And, and it's been years and still, you're, you're, you're trying hard to be patient. Maybe it's a health condition or a mental health condition. It's your pit that you've been in. So how do we, how do we live in this world with all its troubles and all its issues and still demonstrate the spirit, the fruit of patience? in our lives. Well, fortunately, the Bible has a lot to say. There are a lot of people in the Bible who experienced what we experience. There's a lot of people who had to endure, who, who suffered long, who were in pits, who, who needed patience. You all know, uh, through mentioned Noah. He was told by God to build this boat, this ark, in the middle of a desert, not near a sea, not near a river or a lake, but in the middle of a desert. He was told to build this thing. He'd never seen rain. The Bible kind of suggests that he hadn't even rained at that point in the world. His rain was going to be a new thing. He didn't know what rain was. And yet, he's obedient and he's building the ark. And you can imagine him, you know, maybe a year or so later, him going, God, you know, you've told me to do this and people are jeering and laughing at me. And I've got this ark. Show me some water at least. Do something. Not two years. Not five years. Not even 10 or 20 years. But something like 40, 50, 60 years he waited building this boat, or having built it, but waiting for God to bring the water. And then there's Abraham. You all know how Abraham was 75 years old when God said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Not just the father of a big family, but the father of many nations. Well, God, I haven't even got any children. And I'm 75 and my wife is 65 years old. How on earth are you going to do this? Okay, but you've said it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to do my part. Sarah, come on. We're going to do what we need to do. And <laughs> 75 years old. Okay, a year later. Still got nothing. I've been doing my bit. When are you going to do your bit? Waiting patiently. Five years later, nothing. 
10 years later, nothing. 15 years later, nothing. 25 years later, Abraham is now 100 years old. His wife is 90. He's got, it was difficult then. God, what, you don't know how you're going to do this now. And that's when God does it. We need to have patience. Joseph, Abraham's great-grandson. You all know the story when he's a teenager. He has this dream that uh, his family's all bowing down to him and he sees that he's going to go places. There's this trajectory of his life and people are going to bow down to him. The next thing that happens is he finds himself in a pit. God, this doesn't seem like the right direction for the, for the dream you gave me. Next thing that happens, he's sold to some travelers. What's going on here, God? Next thing that happens is now working for a captain of the God in Egypt as a slave. And that's kind of okay, but you know the next thing that happens is he gets accused of something he didn't do and ends up in prison for like 20 years. Man, talk about long suffering. And then there's Paul in the New Testament. What does Paul say? He says that there, there he has this thorn in the flesh. He talks about it. He says, there's this thing that's going on in my life. And he says, I pleaded with God three times to take it away. Three times I asked him to take this thing away from me. And what did God say? No. God said, no. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. You see, because God, this is really, we need to know this. God is more interested in our character than in our comfort. God is doing something to our character in the waiting, in the long-suffering. And then there's David, because it doesn't just happen to normal people, it happens to kings as well. David, who when he was, I think, about 17, he was anointed as the next king of Israel. And he had to wait some like 15 years to see the fruition of that. And sometimes he must be thinking, God, you said, you did, you promised. How long am I going to have to wait? There's a psalm that David wrote, Psalm 40, and it's kind of a psalm about what to do when you're in the pit, how to respond, how to, how to wait in the right way, because patience is not just about waiting, it's about waiting with the right behavior. We've got to wait with the right behavior. So Psalm 40, what to do when you're in the pit, it's a bit of a masterclass of kind of pit waiting. Uh, let me just read it to you. Um, and what to do when your patience is being tested. I've got uh, some of the verses, not all of them. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. In some translations, it talks about the pit of despair or the pit of destruction or the horrible pit. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. He then carries on. I haven't got the rest of this, but I'm just going to read it to you because it's just brilliant. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. And he goes on and on about what God has done. But this is a psalm of two sections. The first section was, I was in a pit... I waited patiently for the Lord, he heard my cry, and he lifted me out and he put me on a rock. But later on in the psalm, he says this, he says, For troubles without number surround me. So he's back in another pit. Because the truth is, even when we're, we're lifted out of one thing that's going on in our life, very often, 
a little bit down the road, we'll find ourselves in another place. He says, for troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me. And I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. And my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. I just think it's really interesting that there's three things he says here. There's troubles without number. He says, because sometimes the things that we're facing, the pit that we're in, is to do with circumstances. It's nothing to do with anything we've done. Things just happen to us. That's the truth, right? COVID, it wasn't anybody's fault but things happen to us and we need patience we need to know what to do while we're in that and then he says my sins have overtaken me because sometimes it's the things that we do or don't do and the consequences of those that that create the pit that we're in sometimes it's troubles that we you know just circumstances and sometimes it's our own sins that put us into the pit and then later on he says uh, may all who want to take my life because sometimes It's other people who do things to us that we need patience, that cause us to suffer. Sometimes it's just circumstances. Sometimes it's our own sin. And sometimes it's other people. But we need to know how to respond when we're facing something, when we feel like we're suffering and it's been a long, long time. And David gives us some clues in this psalm. I wonder if you've ever asked God to give you more patience. It's a bit of a dangerous prayer. Because he doesn't go, okay, and give you patience. That's not how it works. What he does, he puts you in situations where your patience will develop. He puts you in in the pit. Actually, sometimes he lets you go into the pit because he knows that's where your patience will grow. Patience, I wrote this this week and I was thinking about this. Patience is all about trusting in God's goodness and faithfulness. Patience is the fruit of trusting in God's goodness and faithfulness. All the way through the psalm, David is saying, I trust in you, God. I trust in you. You have not let me down. I trust in your goodness. We've just sang that very line, haven't we? Trusting your goodness. Stand in your promises or something like that. I trust in his goodness. That's the fruit. That's where patience will come from. When we can truly, whatever's going on in our world, when we truly trust that God has got us in the right place, that we're in the right place, that God is doing something in us, that's where our patience will come from. And there's loads and loads of scripture that will help us to trust God. There's a great uh, chapter in, in, in Paul's letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 8. Um, and if you read uh, some of these uh, verses in Romans 8, uh, Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Man, that should be on everybody's fridge, right? I know that in all things, whatever's going on, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Whatever we're going through, God can work it for good. God, even if he doesn't bring us out of it, he'll be working in us, bringing something good out of it. He then goes on in a couple of verses later, he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? 
That's something to stand on. If God is on my side, there's nothing that trouble, that circumstances can, can throw at me because I'm trusting in God's goodness. If God is for me, who can be against me? He goes on. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm more than a, I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. And then he finishes his whole section with, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, uh, nor, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Just in that one chapter, Romans chapter 8, it's a great chapter to learn that one because there's so many promises. Trusting is the root of our patience. Trusting God is the root. That will help us to be patient. So, Jesus told us that we're going to face trouble in this world, but we need to have uh, patience. We need to allow the Spirit to fill us with these truths. So what do we have to do, then, to grow this fruit within us? I'm going to give you, uh, just in the last few minutes, a few kind of practical tips that we get from this Psalm, Psalm chapter 40 that David writes about how, how we can how we can find patience, all right? What do we need to do when we're in the pit? And the first thing that we need to do is, um, or the first thing that patience does is patience hopes, okay? Patience isn't a static thing. It's an active thing. Hopes, we hope. We don't lose sight. We trust in God. Um, we need to have a hope-filled posture. In, in Romans 4, referring to Abraham, it said, against all hope... Abraham, in hope, believed and became the father of many nations. He, hold on, he held on to hope. And that word hope is actually the same word as the word wait. When it says wait on the Lord, it's the same word as hope in the Lord. The, the two things are connected. It's not just waiting, 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 like you're waiting for a bus. It's waiting with an expectation that God is doing something. Either he's going to bring me out of it, or he's going to develop me in it. Patience, hopes. Uh, Lamentations, not a book that we use uh, very often. Uh, it's, uh, Jeremiah wrote it. And, you know, a lament is, is, is a funeral song. It's a song that you think, it's a sad song. But in the middle of this, all these kind of sad things that Jeremiah writes, as the, the prophet Jeremiah, he writes this stuff, there's this amazing section filled with hope, this few verses. He said, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Whatever's going on, whatever pit we're in, whatever long-suffering we've been going through, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. And that's the same word. I will wait. I will hope in him. Patience hopes. The second thing that patience does is patience remembers. Patience hopes, patience remembers. In Psalm 40, verse 5, he says, many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. You've done so many good things. You've done so much good. What do we sing? We sing, I've seen you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. We have to remember what God has already done. This will 
inspire patience in us. The book of Deuteronomy is Moses talking to the uh, nation of Israel just before they're going to the promised land. And he keeps telling them, he keeps saying, guys, remember. Remember what God has done. Remember that God brought you out of Egypt. Remember that God made you cross the Red Sea. Remember who provided for you in the desert. Remember, remember, remember. And when we're in the pit, sometimes it's really difficult to remember what God has done because we're too busy feeling sorry for ourselves. We've got to actively Remember, so thank you, God, you did this, and have a heart of gratitude. You did this, and I believe you'll do it again. Next, patience testifies. Patience testifies. Verse 9 of, of this psalm says, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. All these things he's saying is David testifying. I will keep telling people. I'll keep telling myself and I'll keep telling others using my mouth, using the words, using my tongue of all the good things that you do and have done and will do. I will keep testifying. That will help us. That will bring patience. We need to keep, not just remember, but speak it out. We need patience hopes, patience remembers, patience testifies, patience obeys. Patience obeys. Uh, verse 6 of Psalm 40 says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I'm going to obey. Just like Noah did. I'm going to obey. And I'm going to keep obeying what you've said until you tell me to do something else. Because we get impatient, don't we? Think, okay, well, I've been doing this. I've been doing this ministry. I've been doing this thing. I've been building this relationship for a long, long time now, God. There must be something new. We just keep doing what he's told us to do until he tells us to move on from that. Keep patience obeys. Keep obeying. Next, patience remains connected. Uh, verse 4, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. We have to stay connected to Jesus. We have to remain connected to his presence. We have to, what does it say? John 15, remain in me and I remain in you. If you do that, you will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit as you remain connected. Stay connected. Abide in me. Finally, patience praises. So patience hopes, patience remembers, patience testifies, patience obeys, it remains connected, and patience praises. Verse 16, but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. He says at the beginning of the psalm, you put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. When we're in the pit, there's pretty much there's nothing better for us than to praise, to worship, to sing a song of praise to our Heavenly Father. That demonstrates our trust 
in him. And we know that patience is the fruit of trusting in his goodness. Praise in every season will lead to fruit in every season. I'm pretty much done, but I want us to imagine what it would look like if we, if we lived with more patience. If we lived with the ability to, to suffer even longer without losing our patience, without getting cross, without getting impatient, without stamping our feet, oh, I want this to change. What it would look like. What would other people see in us? How would other people view us? How would it change us? I think probably we would see an increase in, in our testimony if we had more patience. We'd see a decrease in stress in our lives if we had more patience. We'd see a, an increase in physical health. We'd see a decrease in chasing after worldly things and an increase in contentment. Just about my own story of my hearing. I told you I went all the way across to California to a healing conference, fully expecting that God was going to do something. Well, he did do something. It was actually on the morning before the conference, I was sat in my hotel room, just having my normal quiet time with God. And I turned, I think it was Genesis 47 or 48, where it's talking about Joseph. And by now, he's, he's uh, answered Pharaoh's dream, and he's now number two in, in the land of Egypt. And, and God started to make him fruitful. He's had two children. And it says in this, in this uh, section of, of, the, of uh, Genesis 48, it says, he named his second son Manasseh because it says, God made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. God made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. That's what Manasseh means. And God said to me in that moment, he said, what's the land of your suffering? And I said, okay, well, it's my hearing, God. That's why I'm here. And there was this kind of conversation with God. And he said, have you been fruitful? He said, what do you do in your life? I said, well, in my church, I work as a worship pastor. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. The deaf person needs worship. Well done. I was like, okay. He said, and what do you do for your work? I said, well, I, I'm a lecturer in the London College of Music. I, get my, it wasn't me having a verbal conversation with God. This is all in my head. I work as a lecturer in the London College of Music. Yeah, and what do you teach? I teach music oral. Okay, so the deaf person is teaching people how to hear music. I said, I th and God was saying to me, I think that's fruitful in the land of your suffering. I was like, oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. All my life I've been saying, God, bring me out of this. He's saying, I don't need to bring you out of it. I can make you fruitful in it. You can be fruitful in it. Just wait patiently. Yeah, you'll come out of it at some point, but don't just be waiting for that moment. Be fruitful in it. That's what waiting patiently looks like. It's not static. It's dynamic. There's a great, um, the prophet Isaiah it's a really famous verse, and I'm going to finish with this. And then we're going to sing this song. But he says, in Isaiah chapter 40, at the end of the chapter, he said, those who wait on the Lord, or in some translations, those who hope in the Lord, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount upon wings like eagles and soar. 
We get to soar. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Who will? Those who wait on the Lord. This is how we develop patience. We trust in God. We hope. We remember. We testify. We obey. We remain connected. And we praise. And above all, we trust in His goodness and His faithfulness. Let's just, band, would you mind just coming? We're going to sing this song. Would you lead us? Tasted your goodness. I trust in your promise. I'm gonna wait on you. I'm gonna wait on you. I would like you all to just stand for a moment. I want to pray a prayer, a kind of a, it's a bit of a recommitment to waiting patiently on God. It's saying, yes, God, I know I haven't always been patient. I know I haven't always suffered long. I've suffered short. I kind of haven't been all that you are. I've been waiting to come out of this instead of asking you to bear fruit in it. And I'm going to pray a bit of a dangerous prayer, and I'd love you to pray this with me. Let's say, God. Help me to build patience in my life. And as we pray that, I don't know what that will lead to in your life, but I do know it will lead to a better character. It will lead to the place where God wants us to be. So if, we st- if you want to pray this prayer with me, just stand kind of in a posture of, of receiving, and I'm just going to pray over us all right now. Lord God, I thank you that you are building fruit in us, that you're growing fruit in us. I thank you that it's the Holy Spirit's work in us, but that we also have to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. And Lord, right now, we are doing what we need to do. We're saying, God, we want the Holy Spirit to rise in us, to make us fruitful in the pit, that wherever pit we're in, Lord God, to make us fruitful in the land of our suffering. I pray that you would grow patience in us, I pray that you would help us to to see where we can trust you. I pray that, God, that you would help us remember where we've seen you move before and have confidence that you will move again. Lord God, we are a vessel, and we ask you to fill us with your Spirit. We're going to walk in step with the Spirit, and we want to see the fruit of the Spirit growing and developing in our lives that we might change the world around us, Lord God. We might change this community, that we might be the difference. In your name we pray. Amen.